Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. We are back at it. Welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. Kyle, did you have a good Halloween weekend and a great uh, weekend since Oklahoma State took care of business against TCU? Yeah, it was fantastic. Went trick-or-treating with some uh, some fellow pokes down here in, in Richardson, USA. And uh, there's, like, I've just been stealing my kids' candy for the last five days. Things are... Things are looking up in the Porter home going into Thanksgiving. How much candy have you gone through? Eh, I don't know. I, t- I took all their Twix after I made my <laughs> after I did my th- my Twix thing uh, last week. So I took all that. The, the two of them can't have uh, peanuts, so I took all their peanut butter stuff. Um, they're they're like in the fun dips, which is disconcerting. I'm like. Cause as a kid, you're like fun dips the best. And as an adult, you're like, that's a sugar stick dipped in like sugar pellets. Like, that's Oh all yeah. I remember those things. It's atrocious. It's like, it's horrendous. Um, it's like speed yeah. for children. <laughs> I know it's dangerous. It's awful. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we had a good time. I didn't dress up, but they did. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, you were vindicated from your Twix love. I think that 538 released a poll and it was yeah. like third on the candy list. It was pretty impressive. So I you, you I take appalled. back my, my slander towards the Twix. <laughs> uh, and someone did, uh, uh, this Kyler uh, Whitus, Whitus, uh tweeted me a picture of the caramels I was trying to describe. They're Brock's. <laughs> They're Brock's, B-R-A-C-H-S, milkmaid caramels. They're little squares. They come in individual little squares. Okay. And those were some of my earliest Halloween memories. So thank you to Kyler for for tweeting tweeting me the picture of it because I had an olds moment and couldn't remember. But no, I didn't eat too much candy, but I did go to to OSU TCU, which we will discuss in full. We got to talk about Chuba, but uh, you want to get into MidFirst first? Let's talk about MidFirst. Oklahoma State credit card. You can sign up, midfirst.com slash firing. Uh, you can earn a $150 bonus. Uh, you can earn points, bursar rewards options. Uh, you're going to want to show off that Pistol P card going into the bye week. Oklahoma State, two straight. They're kind of kind of gained a little momentum. They're back in it. Um, yeah, so so cool thing that uh, MidFirst is doing. You can go sign up for an OSU credit card, midfirst.com slash pistols firing. And Carson, we got, uh, we got some MidFirst 5 to talk about. Oh, do we? Where should we start? Oh, baby. Chuba. Chuba. I oh, mean, my gosh. I don't know which I don't know which of the 30 stats is is most impressive. But I think I, I think it's the nobody had no individual had had hit 200 on TCU this century. Like since Gary Patterson took over in 2000, nobody had ever hit 200 on him. And he put up 223. And uh, he did 191 in the second half, or 192 in the second half. So he almost put up 200. He put up more in the second half, Carson, than anybody else has put up uh, against TCU in the last 20 years. Against it's unbelievable. Uh, it's unreal. Yeah, and I would say 
I would say to a large extent, Gary Patterson is basically the Lincoln Riley of, of defense over the last 20 years. He's kind of one of the preeminent defensive minds in all of college football. I don't think that's overstating it. And I did think TCU kind of had Chuba bottled up most of the day. But if the guy gets a seam, Gundy warned us before the year, you know, if he gets a seam, he's gone. It's over. And the, the feeling I kept having when I saw him, well, first off, before I make that statement, how enjoyable is it to watch Chuba get about six yards clear and throw it back into about third gear and let that poor TCU guy think he had a chance to catch him? And he kind of looks up at the jumbotron. He's like, yeah, I got him. He'll, he'll nip my heel a little bit as I walk in. But he outruns secondaries in like third gear. It's, it's a different level of speed. It's a different level of stride. And once he gets past somebody, it's the least amount I've ever had to worry about an OSU football player being caught. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was four years old when Barry was doing his thing in 88, so I don't really remember much of that. But the, the point I was going to make before that was the, the prevailing thought I had when he scored his second one was like, that's what Barry used to do in this stadium. Like, yeah. It looks like a guy playing a different sport at a different speed than his contemporaries. And that's what Barry, it just, it's a different look to it. You know, Thurman Thomas was a great running back. We can go, Terry Miller, we can go through all the greats, but very few, maybe just Barry at the running back position, have been able to transcend the sport to where it looks like they're moving at a different speed and rate than his contemporaries. Yeah, and, and you know, it's uh, did you did you see Gary Patterson? Were you in in there for Patterson after the game? I was in there for Gundy, not Patterson. He he kind of like wouldn't give him full credit, like he kind of like skirted around it and it's like bro come on like <laughs> he does this to all, everybody here it's okay we all know what we just watch i mean he's got four 200 games nobody else has more than two this season and only four other guys have two i mean it, it, and, and kyle boone wrote about this on sunday he he should be he should be a heisman like a real he's not gonna win the heisman i, I don't expect that but the numbers he's putting up are so ridiculous, even on a six and three team, he, that he should be a top five Heisman fav. Like he should be in the top five com- in the conversation with the top five of the Heisman Trophy. And the fact that he's not is just silly, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think for once and for all, Chuba is going to test the Heisman voters. It has the has this award truly become a strictly just change it to the Davy O'Brien with capital letters award. Don't even call it the Heisman because it's not. Is it going to be a quarterback award for a top five team, or is it going to go to the best players in college football? I think the defensive end from Ohio State yeah. should probably be there. He's having a transcendent season historically, and for me, when you start making history, I agree with you. No question, history to me equals Heisman. History means he should be in New York, and for, over, since 1999, only two running backs have ever received the Heisman Trophy, and they both played for Alabama. And I don't think anyone thought those two were the best players in college football. They were just the best player on the best team. And so I think the Heisman voters need to take a long look at themselves and, and to say, like, we've trended this way for 20 years. If this guy puts up 2,200 yards, are we really not going to invite him to New York? Are we doing our jobs properly? I think that's a, I think that's a legitimate question. I, I really do. And I, I understand how it's kind of become a quarterback award. But you don't get this every season. Like I, I'm fine with leaving Jonathan Taylor out when he rushes for, 
you know, 1600 yards or 1700 yeah. yards. Yeah. I'm not fine with leaving Chuba at home when he rushes for 2200 yeah. and flirts with Barry Sanders type stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I could not agree more. And here's the thing, Carson, it's going to come down to, and it, and it always comes down to this. And I, I think this is fair. Uh, let's say Chuba goes out and he goes 300 combined against Kansas and West Virginia. That would be below his yearly average. He's averaging, I think, 180 right now. So he goes 300 combined, and he's at nine, He's a little over 19. If he goes like 200 plus against OU, and that's a great game, I think I think he might go. I think he might go to New York. I agree. I mean, that's I gonna think, be such a stage. Yeah, I think that could. I really think that could happen, and. I just, I mean, he's he's on pace. I, I can't remember the number. OSU put it out. I think it's the fifth like biggest rushing season ever in college football history. And you're not going to be in New York. I mean, listen, it's November fourth. We don't. I don't. I don't want to get worked up about something that has or hasn't happened yet. Um, but I just, I don't know. I don't. I don't love the way it's trending based on what he's doing and and doing without Tylen Wallace against one of the best rushing defenses uh, programs at least of this century of this you know the last 20 years it's incredible yeah and and i know people are going to say well look he plays in the big 12 not against Garbage. good defenses don't read it like uh, i think it was i think it was mike harris on twitter said that derrick henry only faced one defense that was better rated against the rush than tcu and derrick henry mm. won the heisman trophy and I think a lot of people are going to just look at OSU's record. Well, I, I, I somewhat understand that, but I also don't because um, Lamar Jackson won the Heisman with multiple losses. What year was that? Was that 2016? I think yeah. they were nine and they were nine and four in 2016. They had four losses, so eight and four regular season probably. Um, or yes, and so. At a certain point, but why did Lamar Jackson win? His numbers were outrageous. And he was exciting. Well, and he was exciting. And Chuba is all of those things. So I think you can look past a team's record when you are clearly the best player in college football. Yeah. Like, when you start going to the quarterbacks, like, there's not much difference right now. And, and to your point, November is usually when Heismans are won and lost. But, like, between the fields from Ohio State, the Joe Burrow at LSU – Jalen Hurts, there's not a lot of separation there. They're all good. They all have good numbers. I would argue that the difference between Chuba and those guys is, I think there's a difference there. He, he's dominating football in a way that we haven't seen from a running back in a very long time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm biased there, but I, I think you're able to look past the wins and losses when you're making history, and Chuba is. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, let's go uh, – let's stay on offense – we have this listed farther down, but let's stay with uh, how did you think OSU's offense looked without Tylen? I thought what Gundy said after the game about Tylen was pretty cool. Uh, you could tell that it meant he's just somebody who means a lot to that program and that team and to Gundy himself. Uh, but without him, without Johnny Wilson, without Trey Sterling, Trey Sterling's not on offense, I realize. But how, how did you feel? At, did did the offense – I mean, they threw it a Donovan Woods number of times on Saturday, Carson. They only threw it <laughs> 15 times. Nine for uh, Sanders was 9 for 15. Is that how you expected it to go, or were you surprised by uh, kind of the game plan that they came out with? 
Well, I, I will cut them a little bit of slack on the, the number of pass attempts because it was such a weird game, right, with all the turnovers and the home runs that OSU hit. Um, first off, I thought the first drive was the most creativity we had seen out of the OSU offense since probably the first drive against Texas. Yes. Uh, it was it was really good. They kept – I know they used way more motion pre-snap. They were moving shoe ball all over the place. They were bringing receivers in motion. That's the type of stuff we thought we would see more of under Sean Gleason. And I thought it really bothered TCU. They, they had no idea where the football was going. And I think that was a, a great move. And obviously, moving Dylan Stoner to the outside proved to be a just a genius move. And I, I've always cautioned people, you know, he, he's white, so we tend to say, oh, he's a Wes Welker type. Like, Dylan Stoner has never been a Wes Welker type. When he was at Jinx, he was a deep threat. He played on the outside, and he was a speedster. He was a really good track athlete. He was a deep threat. He was not this short, shifty, slot type of receiver. I think that's just a lazy comparison. And I think he proved that on the outsides where he does best. I mean, those touchdown catches he had, he just burned people. And he made an unbelievable catch on his second one. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's any secret that, obviously with Tylen going down, more production goes elsewhere. But I don't think it's any secret that he had zero touchdowns going in this game. And then they moved him to the outside, he had two right away. So I thought he was sensational. But... Um, the pass attempt numbers, I was stunned looking at the box score and seeing they threw it nine times. It was Donovan Woods-esque. I think it just had to do, they only had they only had 50-something plays I to know. TCU's 80-something. It was like a, it was the exact same as Iowa State in that yeah. they hit home runs or they went three and out and there just wasn't as many plays to throw the football. Yeah, and that part of it is a little, I, I, I mean, I said this after Iowa State, but they keep doing it successfully. It, I. I get a little concerned when you're basically, and I wrote this in 10 thoughts, you're Aaron judge where it's like, well, we're either going to hit on a 90 yard uh, rushing touchdown or we're punting in 45 seconds. And that's, and that's the offense. It just, I don't know if that, I mean, it's kind of working. I don't know if it feels sustainable. Uh, I thought some of the stuff Sanders did. I think, I think we sometimes fail to give credit when guys protect the ball we, 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 you know, we holler and scream whenever you turn it over five times and then maybe, you know, you, you go, you go, you throw for 160 and it's not always pretty, but you don't turn it over and you kind of don't get credit just because, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Well, yeah, maybe, but like, that's also an improve. Like that's like, he's, he's, he's moving forward. Like he's making steps forward. And I thought that, I mean, the first touchdown to stoner, that was, that was sick the move he made on that to, oh, yeah. to, to step up and step out of the pocket and, and throw and, and hit stoner for the touchdown. That was pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It feels a little like you're trying to be air force or army and just run it. Like, I mean, they ran it 73% of the time on Saturday, which <laughs> is fine, but you're exposing your two most talented guys now. And that can, uh, not always go well later in the season. Yeah, and, and again, Tylen went down on what Wednesday. Uh, they had basically Thursday uh, to to come up with a game plan. I mean, Thursday on. Uh, so I will cut them a little bit of slack. But I did think it was important that they threw the ball deep. I know they only threw it nine times, but their deep passing game had had devolved into just a fade route to Tylen or a fade route to McCray. And they actually they actually slung the ball downfield with actual you know an actual deep pass, and I think that's only going to help Chuba. Uh, are you going to hit all of them? No. Or sometimes you're going to throw an interception like like Spencer did. Yes, but 
that's what OSU's done for for 10 years now is, is they run the football and they throw the ball deep. And I think they, they, they kind of got back to a little bit to their identity of, of keeping those, those safeties honest by throwing it deep and, and keeping them off the line of scrimmage. I think that's how part of how Chuba didn't have much up the middle once he broke through the line is they had to, they had to really kind of help over there on the outside. So I thought that was, that was cool. It just to me, it was just a weird game um, with, with, the lack of plays. I think it's it's easy now to look at the box score and be like, well, oh my gosh, it's this Gundy's perfect scenario. They ran the ball seventy percent, but I do think there's there's reasons for that that we talked about. Can we talk about my guy, Braden Johnson? That was a hell of a catch. He's awesome. So he's got. So I'm looking right now of guys that have caught eight or more passes this year. He's second nationally at 28 yards a catch. He's wow. got nine. He's got nine receptions for 252 yards and two touchdowns. Hmm. So when he when they hit him, I mean it's like it's like auto you know chunk play like 40 yards, 50 yards, 60 yards, and uh, I really like him. I think he's a good player. I mean if he's like your, I mean I guess before Tylen went down, he's what your like fourth guy. I mean that's pretty good. Yeah, he's only a redshirt sophomore too, so he's got a lot of football left, and that's encouraging because, you know, we don't know if Tylen's coming back or not. But if he doesn't, which I think I certainly think he won't, but if he doesn't, you know, you need guys to step up, and he's proven he can he can play at this level. So he, that yeah. was that was good to see. Uh, the defense is this defense good, Carson? That's that's number three on my uh, mid first five here. Is the defense is it good? Like I want to like knock on this coffee table like a hundred times before I say this uh they're good they're 33rd in the country in efficiency 33rd I know know. and I used to say so many times under the the latter years of of Glenn Spencer that I thought that their their parts were greater than their sum but now I think I think Jim Knowles who deserves a lot of credit he has done a really good job this year has made the sum greater than their parts. They, Mike Gundy himself says, we don't have an NFL pass rusher. We have to generate it other places. They've done a great job doing that. Eamon, Ogbong, Bamiga, and Malcolm Rodriguez have become two of the best linebackers in the conference. Yeah. Colby Peel is having a first-team Big 12 type of season. Yeah. Um, I think those, those guys are all really good football players, but they're not going to get taken in the second round of the NFL draft or even the first round. And so I think... I think they are a good defense. I think for the most part of this season, they've played good defense. They've just had, in the games that they've lost, they've had just several busts that have really kind of extrapolated their yards per play metrics, their pass, passing defense metrics. They've just had some busts, like the Baylor game, where they, where they were in total control of that game through three quarters. And when they don't bust, like they didn't against Iowa State, they didn't against Kansas State, and they didn't against TCU, they were borderline dominant. I mean, forcing three and outs, getting turnovers. Uh, they, I think they're a good defense, Kyle, if they can just avoid those busts, which when they don't or when they do avoid them, they get off the field. And that's all we've ever really wanted out of an OSU defense. Yeah, they allowed 1.8 yard, uh, yards, uh, points per drive uh, again last week, second week in a row. That's a number that if you're in the 1.8 range, you're like a top 35 defense in terms of points per drive. And they've been kind of sitting there the last few weeks. And it, and look, like for me, a lot of it, and this is another one of the, the mid first five points is uh, just the turnover thing. I mean, you get four turnovers. I think Gundy teams are 22 and one now when they turn teams over four or more times, you're just, you're not going to lose a lot of games. And 
I, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, there's so many guys on this defense, and somebody brought this up in the chamber, uh, our forum on Saturday. They said, like, look, you lose AJ Green, uh, you lose, uh, you lose somebody else. Who, who? Uh, there's one other guy on defense that they're losing. I'll think of it. Uh, but you're getting Calvin Bundage back, and you're returning pretty much everybody. This is a defense that, and look, like. They're going to have other games where they give up like 50 or 44 or whatever. And everybody's going to be like, oh, I can't play defense in the Big 12, Oklahoma State. If they could just get off the field. But I want us to remember the Iowa State game, the TCU game. These are games that the offense isn't winning them these games. The offense has been okay. They've been fine. They've been, they've been better. They've got Chuba. The defense is what's winning them these games, Carson. And that's just not something that you could have said historically about uh, Oklahoma State football teams, even under Mike Gundy. They've saved the season. I mean, look, I think if they win the next two, they'll be eight and three going into Bedlam. And you're right. The defense has, has played the best football out of both sides. And I think, imagine, I think I, imagine telling, when, when did you say that <laughs> thing about, uh, about Knowles? Was that the Tulsa game? Yeah. Imagine going back and telling yourself that in two months we would be talking about how Oklahoma state's defense saved the season. When they couldn't stop Tulsa running off tackle, they were just <laughs> running it down their throat. I know you weren't. That's the thing. Like you weren't wrong. Like in that moment, you were not wrong. And yet here we are two months later and they started creating turnovers. They're getting stops. It's been, it's been really impressive. Well, and I think when we talk about turnovers and, and people, when people just talk about turnovers in general, there's usually not a lot to say in that, oh, you just kind of shrug and go, you know, it's it's turnover luck. You can't really practice it. You, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. Like, just cue up the tape of last week's game against TCU. Every interception they had was forced. That was a forced turnover because they were all over the quarterback. He had to get rid of it to avoid getting hit. And they forced those turnovers. So you... So teams who aren't forcing them consider and go, man, we've just been unlucky. You know, we haven't got any. Well, OSU has forced them like with the pressure they've able to establish against the quarterback. And that was the clear case of making your own turnover luck against TCU. And I thought Mike Gundy had some interesting things to say afterwards about it, saying that they've really tried to change things up here in the last few weeks. And you can you can see it's been working, obviously, in the results with you know three turnovers against Iowa State and four against TCU. But I think sometimes when we break down turnovers, we kind of shrug and say, you know, like that 2011 team, like, my gosh, they got so many. How'd they do that? Well, they did it by getting after the quarterback for the most part. And, and that's what they're doing now. Did you see uh, – or you were in there. Gundy started talking about how he's calling plays on defense that OSU doesn't even have. Yeah, like he did that – ironically, <laughs> we talked about the Tulsa game. Remember he, he said that after the Tulsa game that he – he called the play in which Peel sacked quarterback, like the, the fourth down blitz. He said he called that. And then he, against TC, said that he made calls they didn't have and that Jim Knowles just ignores him anyway, so it doesn't matter. I think he's just, I think he's just talking. I, I, don't know, I don't know what he's getting at. I really don't. I, I was confused by the entire interaction. <laughs> Is there a grad what did you assistant? make of it? Well, is there the, I, the same thing? I have no idea. Like, is there a grad assistant that just like cuts his, like, you know how the, the, the guys walk around with the cords, like off the headsets, like somebody just like, like Jim Knowles just paid somebody to like take some scissors to his cord. So he's just talking into the ether. 
<laughs> I think so. Like he's just and, like saying words and they don't, he, and he started going off about, uh, about Lou Holtz and like the 77 orange bowl or something like that. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, I, what, like, what is going on right now? He goes, I don't even know how I know that. And I'm like, I don't even know what we're talking about. Like it was, I it think was he, weird. I think he was just on a high. He was so happy that they won. Cause he even said like, the reason he did all that was he, he just wanted to win so bad for his players that had dealt with so much losing those three guys during the week. So for uh, for that aspect, I get it. I, I, I just have no idea if, it, if he was being telling the truth or if he was just making that up or if he really tried to tell Jim Knowles what to run and how Jim Knowles received that. I have no idea, but it was, it was super fascinating to hear him, to hear him talk about it. And, and you mentioned the Thailand thing. Like I thought he was super interesting it was our first chance to hear from him after the Taiwan news. And you could tell it really bothered him yeah. and really bothered the team. It was really tra- a traumatic event because he said he was up on the, what do you call that thing? The the, the scaffolding, the, the, uh, the lift. Eye. I think he calls it the eye. Yeah, he was up high and he said, I grabbed the rails on the way down because I didn't know what was coming next. <laughs> like he, 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 he literally was, you know, fearing the worst and it turned out to be true. And I just... No coach wants to go through that. He said it was a, a day he'd never seen in 30 years of coaching where three guys all go down the same practice. So it, it's really impressive the way they came out and played uh, without three of their best players. Hey, back against his wall, Mike Gundy, best coach on the planet. I think he might have passed Bear Bryant. He's just behind Saban now. <laughs> back against the wall, Gundy is I mean, is almost unbeatable. In all seriousness, though, like we we have – we have gone from two weeks ago, Carson, at this time, we're talking about like, and again, like nobody on here, nobody on our website said Mike Gundy should be let go. That is not a thing that was said. The thing that was said was let's look at the trajectory. What does this trajectory look like? And you and I are on here hollering about trajectories and the future. And rightfully so, like at the time there, it was, it was not good, but I think that, my biggest takeaway from the last two weeks is how meaningful each one of these stupid things is like each single game. And I know I say this like every week is, is so meaningful. And when you start, when you string a couple of them together in a row that are 50, 50, or maybe you're an underdog or you shouldn't win or whatever, like it just, it becomes, I don't know. I mean, you saw it with your guy at Florida State, Willie Taggart, gone after, what, a year and a half, two years, whatever it was. And I just feel like I feel like we almost undervalue how much meaning there is on each one of these Saturdays that when, when you're not close to it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal maybe, but uh, it, it, it kind of is uh, when, you, when, you, when you start, um, you know, looking at it more closely. I, I just I'm, – I'm – always fascinated by that kind of aspect of it. it the highs are high and the lows are low and you're right it's a it's a roller coaster type season but again if you'd have told me before the season they go eight and four i would have said that's a pretty good season i think nine and three would have been an excellent season yeah yeah eight and four to me is a really good season so it's it's right there in front of them again i mean i you, you hate to kick yourself too much but man if you if you beat texas tech and Baylor, for that matter. I mean, I know those are huge ifs. They didn't deserve to to beat Tech, and they've kind of squandered at the end against Baylor. But you just win one of those games, Kyle, and you pretty much control your own destiny. Obviously, yeah. you'd have to beat OU, but I think but man, I think I think the Tech one for me. I, I think Baylor's good. You know, I, I, are they gonna? I, they kind of remind me of that. 
oh the 15 osu team mm-hmm. where, where you look up and osu is like 10 and 0 rank fifth and you're like wait a second what won a bunch of close games yeah yeah and they they, they kind of remind me of that to where it might be like okay yeah they get they're 9 and 0 10 and 0 whatever and then they then they lose three of their last four or four of their last, or, or whatever and they end up like 9 and 3 or 9 and 4 or something like that i i think I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go, but but I think they're a pretty good team. I think the tech one is the one you look at and you're like, oh, like, can we play that one again? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you turned it over like five times and you were still kind of in the game the whole time. I like, know. that's how much better you really are than, than Texas Tech. So, yeah, that's you're going to rue the missed opportunities for sure, but it's been a really nice rebound. And I think you got to give the coaching staff a lot of credit. Uh, sure. They've they've done a good job. You know, we – we and everyone else was speculating, you know, how hard was Mike Gundy working and was he getting out coached? Well, he just won two really big football games, one on the road against Matt Campbell, who people have a ton of respect for, and, and Gary Patterson, who obviously is, you know, one of the longest tenured coaches in college football. So it's been a really nice couple of weeks. And and I think, um, you know, it, it, it really should get people fired up for the for the latter stretch of the season. Uh, maybe their biggest one of the week last week was the keeping the Thailand news under wraps for as long as they did he they yeah they had it on lock down i have ne- we have never reached out to more people than we did over like a 24-hour period and nothing like that nobody would say anything it was unbelievable how they tried to like how much they tried to keep that under wraps yeah credit to mike gundy and then they they really kept that under wraps for sure and um and that's such a huge thing to, to keep quiet, too, because everyone, yeah. you know, Gundy said his kids were texting him about it, like once the word was going around social media and stuff. So and uh, it was funny the way Gundy said it. He was like, yeah, like nobody said anything. And my, somehow my kids who are supposed to be in class start texting me and they are tiling out, is tiling out, is tray out, is tray out. And he, he was looking down when he said this and then he kind of just looked up and deadpan and goes, I don't know how that happened. Kind of like just <laughs> pure, pure disappointment in like the media or whoever else out there on social media had put it out. He was, it was like, I could see him saying that to like a player or his kids, like when he's really disappointed in somebody, just the mannerisms he said, I, I would encourage anyone to go back and watch it. But just, he kind of looks up and goes, I don't know how that would happen. Just like so disappointed. It was, I think I was the only one that really noticed it, but it was, it was fantastic. I love how everything that you say that like everything that you repeat of his is in the cadence of the rant. Like, like well, that's kind of how he talks. Like if you know, watch his press conferences, he kind of goes in those same beats. It's just the rant was just turned up to like eleven, whereas after the TCU game, he's at like a six. But it's still the same kind of same cadence. You know, he the, he still busts out though. We live in a society. You know, yeah. remember last last week when he said that? Yeah. He's kind of got those same ticks. Yeah. They showed the rant during the game on the broadcast. And most of that stuff, I'm like, you kind of like, I don't know, you and I being close to stuff that we cover and you just kind of like, whatever, man, like, I get it. Like, but that's like the one thing that it keeps getting. It's it somehow like gets better over time instead of instead of more tiring. I just I can't get enough of it. Every time they play it, it's better than than the time before. It's a surreal watch every time. And I thought about this too. We on uh, on Channel 5, I, I showed one of the trick-or-treaters on Halloween. Uh, there was this kid from Edmond that 
dressed as Mike Gundy and he had the mullet and he had the headset. He looked awesome. And he, and he even did his own little come after me, pick on me. He kept saying versions of the rant. And I turned to our news anchors once we were off the air and I was like, it's amazing that the rant, like that is going to follow him the rest of his life. It's the first thing people think of when they see him. It's just amazing that like that will be on his tombstone, like part <laughs> of the rant like that. It's amazing how one press conference just will will live in infamy forever. It's it's still being brought up today. So I, I thought of that when I saw that kid doing the ranch. Just that that is what he's known for and always will be. I'm a man. I live to be ninety. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Or just yeah. <laughs> just any pick any pick any sentence you want. <laughs> so obviously, the I'm a man. I'm forty is the is the most accurate or the most brought up. But I love it all. Uh, okay, let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Carson, the uh, the uniform predictions this year are a bloodbath. I mean, you can go three for three in a week. I've been, go, I've been like just nailing stuff, and I'm getting smoked <laughs> by you and Southwell. I mean, well, it's Southwell a, smoked us this week. Smoked both of us. No, I, I had all I had all black. You had all black, but he 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 even won because he nailed the the helmet that didn't exist yet, the that's one that kind of leaked on Twitter. That's what I'm talking about. Like it's it's incredible how yeah. how accurate accurate everybody's been uh, throughout the year. What did you think of the uh, the new lids? When I saw them, and I just saw the uniform in general, I just I did the the gif of um, the movie Rudy, uh, the guy who kind of mentors him, that slow clap. I did that. I stood up and I clapped. And I, I just thought, Kyle, back to more this time, really more than any other time, I just thought back to when I was a student and I'd look at the the white, orange, white. And they wear it every game. And I just used to think like, man, what if they wore like all black or with like a you know black helmet? Just, like how cool would that be? And I've thought that before because they've obviously worn all black before, but like really on Saturday, it really, it really crystallized for me that my uniform dreams have come true with Oklahoma state. Everything I've ever wanted, they virtually have done. And I thought it looked awesome. I, I think it's as good of a uniform as they've ever worn. I love the helmet and just more than anything, just as a whole Kyle, I just could not be more pleased with what Oklahoma state, the decision to go to all these different uniforms, the updates they've made, I have to stand up and applaud. It it was just it was magnificent. Yeah, there, there we go. Uh, yeah, it was great. I have nothing to add to that. I I concur with everything. Uh, they have gotten maybe they've gotten predictable over the years. Like we know what they're going to at certain times, but I don't care because it's a good predictable. We we've always picked the stuff that we've wanted to see, and they're doing it every week. It's 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 really good. Uh, my uni Heisman, Dylan Stoner. Uh. He, I feel like he always is pretty good in the all black and maybe it's just because he got more targets. Maybe it's because I saw him more. I thought he was great uh, on Saturday. Black tights. Loved it. Uh, he gets my uni Heisman this week. He looked great. He looked, uh, he looked the part. I still don't. Why did he switch to seven? Number 17. I don't know. Cer- certain numer- uh, numerals on the, the new uniforms look weird. I think, Amen's is is the most weird looking one. Amen Ogbamamiga. The number eleven almost looks like a one. Yeah. The, the seven digit kind of looks almost like a one 
on uh, on Stoner. I don't know. Just some of the numerals look look kind of off, and I, I can't. It always threw me off when Stoner switched to 17 because we were just coming off the Charlie Moore era. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just it, I wish he would have stuck with eight. I think he was number 80 when he got there. Has anybody ever referenced the Charlie Moore era? Um, maybe. Besides us. I don't know if I call it an era, but he did wear number seventeen at Oklahoma State. <laughs> Wasn't uh, didn't Tylen go eighty his first year, and then he switched and Stoner switched? Yes, good call. Yeah, Tylen took two once Mason left. Um, so yeah, that is a good call. I, mean, I do like the the lower numbers, I guess, for receivers, but the seventeen always kind of has looked weird to me. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah I, yeah, I don't love it, but I, I thought his uni was good on Saturday. I got to give it to Spencer. I thought – I think Spencer Sanders is – could you make a case he's probably wears the best uniform that we've seen of any OSU quarterback? I think certainly Mason's right there with the, the quarter sleeves. Whedon – Whedon kind of – Whedon and Zach looked great. I'll go maybe Zach. I'm Maybe I'm just – maybe I'm just on the recency bias here, but I just – Spencer just looks like an athlete. He doesn't look like a quarterback trying to <laughs> trying to look cool or trying to wear the accessories. He looks like a an athlete that utilizes the equipment. If you, if that makes any sense at all. I I was always part. I thought Zach was always great. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean did. Spencer Spencer's good. Yeah, I mean certainly. That that uh, stuck out to me. I don't know. I just him in the all black looked looked pretty solid. Maybe it's just rushing quarterbacks. I think so. There's there's it's, there's something it's helpful to that. when you can actually run. <laughs> right. Yeah, like Zach did have like the two he, he would rock a sleeve every now and then. He had the two wristbands. Zach was Zach was pretty solid. They they've all kind of worn the clear visor. Yeah. If you notice. There's except for May, I guess Mason didn't wear a visor, but everybody else has. Speaking of uh the the uh Steelers numbers, they're so mm-hmm. weird. The two on him, it looks like it's like eight feet tall. <laughs> yeah it does those, those are like very unique to the to the Steelers they've always had those kind of strange I, I don't know how to describe them really but yeah I would agree that's weird uh okay let's let's talk about mid first again Carson um you can no longer enter the game day ultimate game day experience that's closed but uh, they're gonna pick two people uh excuse me they're gonna pick they're going to give away two VIP tickets to an OSU game in November. We're now in November, uh, so we can go. Uh, we can go Kansas. We can go West Virginia. Or no, they're at West Virginia. We can go Kansas or OU. So that's exciting. And look, you know, mid first is somebody uh, JD Power highest satisfaction score uh, for two years in a row. Uh, they they win all these awards. They were the Oklahoma reader's choice, uh, best bank for the sixth year in a row recently, best, best mobile app, uh, for the second year in a row. So, uh, they, uh, I don't know if, you know, maybe they'll reach that 14 year mark in a row, like Oklahoma state reached with the bowl streak on Saturday. Uh, but six years in a row is the Oklahoma reader's choice, best bank. That's pretty impressive stuff. So, uh, congrats to them. And, uh, again, thank them for, uh, for sponsoring the pod this fall. Are you still there? Yes. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> what do you think about Oklahoma State getting to 14? 14 years in a row. Overrated, underrated? Uh, it's it's underrated. I mean, just look at Florida State right now. I mean, I know they switch coaches. It's a little different, but it can happen to anybody. You know, you can have the season from hell and you can you can miss a bowl game. And I, I thought it was interesting. I think Bill Haston had the stat that 
you know, they made 14 in a row. Before that, the longest streak was three. Yeah. That, that, that kind of puts in perspective what, what Mike Gundy's been able to do. They had 16 total in the 102 years before <laughs> they took over. Oh, Seriously. my God. That's even better stat. That's crazy. Um, that's nuts. Jim Knowles to FSU? Is that what I'm hearing? Might be Brent Venables. That's who I want him to hire. Really? Yeah. You'd hurt Clemson. And, like, Brent Venables is the most overqualified head coaching candidate there is. He makes, like, $2 million at defensive coordinator Lane at Kiffin. Clemson. I want no part of that. I can't imagine a worse <laughs> message or higher than that. <laughs> But I've been uh, I've been texting I've been texting Adam Lunt to get the lowdown on on what's going on. It, it's it's intriguing what's going on there because they have like a weird president and AD status to where I think I think the boosters are going to be making some calls because they fronted all the money yes. to get to get rid of them. So that, that it can, it can go really well or it can go really <laughs> really poorly. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a little anxious about it, but uh, uh, he had, he had to go. Just they gotten worse. I mean I I really loved to hire at first, but. You know, if it goes if it goes that far south and you make a disgrace of yourselves by like fighting on the field and stuff, and, and you're losing to Miami every year, that's something's got to give. What year was this for him? Three, two, two. He'd only coached 21 games. <sighs> that's tough. Yeah, that's that is tough. I I do feel for him. That's that's a quick that's a quick, quick trigger. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, we need to hand out some. Bullets and BBs. Uh, I'm going to go first. I mentioned this earlier. Braden Johnson almost leading the country in, in yards per reception, minimum eight receptions. But um, he's been great. I, I just I have been screaming about him and Jordan McRae all year. I thought it was interesting. We didn't see a lot of C.J. Moore on Saturday. I don't know what's going on there. I haven't really heard anything. I don't know if you have, but Oklahoma State's not – he hasn't played as much as I thought he would. And um, – but yeah, that's has nothing to do with Braden Johnson. I'm giving a bullet sticker to uh, to Braden for his uh, unbelievable catch that kind of got overshadowed by everything else that happened on Saturday. Yeah, his speed is going to be a factor, and they're going to need it to keep defenses honest. And he showed that off, and he showed off the ball skills. Like we knew he was fast, but uh, between that catch and the one he had at Texas, he obviously has the ball skills to go up and, and make a big catch down the field. So that was that was encouraging. I, I haven't seen a snap count. Um, I haven't looked at the numbers to see how often CJ Moore was out there. What was he not out there at all? Or was he out there? I, did, some? I haven't seen the snap counts. I didn't see him. I saw uh, Terrell Alexander before I saw CJ Moore. I don't know if he yeah. played. Yeah, you might be right. I don't recall seeing, I remember seeing him on the sideline obviously, but that doesn't really, <laughs> that doesn't matter. I just, I don't think I recall seeing him on the field either. And it, but again, just the, the lack of number of plays, maybe they had a plan to get him out there on certain plays and they just didn't get to him. Who knows? But, uh, Perhaps that's something Gundy will get asked about coming forward. Um, bullet my, my bullet sticker goes to Israel Antwine. I think he's really starting to to flash, and uh, he's getting after the quarterback. He's really starting to make an impact in the middle of that defensive line. I thought he was everywhere, as much as defensive tackle can be. And I loved his celebrations too. Like I, I was all him and um, your boy. Uh, Lacey did like the home run swing that Neil uh, Neil Smith used to do for the Kansas City Chiefs. That little the fake home run swing, and then Antoine was like crawling around on the ground and doing. They, they had like a little bit of swag to him. Gundy was asked about that after the game. Uh, he said he wanted them to create their own energy. So I think they did that, and I think Antoine's really starting to come into his own and and be the player that they thought he could be coming from Colorado. 
Yeah, and all those guys are coming. I, I remember the guy who's not coming back. It's uh, Mike Scott, I think, is the only other defensive player that's a senior this year. So Mike Scott and A.J. Green. Uh, but everybody else, I mean, you know, Big 12 defense. What about, what about Rodarius? Uh, yeah, I think he redshirted. Well, but he could go, I guess. But we have no yeah. idea. Because didn't he – wasn't he being kind of ominous about maybe leaving last year? He obviously uh, didn't, but maybe he could uh, he could go too. But I get, but just in terms of eligibility, you're right. Uh, BB sticker to me, one to me, and one to you. For for whatever reason, we talked about Matt Amendola having not missed a field goal all year, and of course, in the first game since we talked about it, he misses a field goal. So, <laughs> apologies to Matt, to his family to everyone involved with that, uh, that, that miss on Saturday. So that, that's on us. Well, we didn't think he was going to make every field goal the whole year. Did we? I know, but I, it's a huge jinx. Like, don't, don't talk about it. What am I doing? I know better. Yeah. yeah. That's our bad. Yeah. Uh, BB sticker. I mean, I thought OSU played really well for the most part. I have a hard time giving it to one of the, the OSU players involved. I'm going to go with TCU. For their Wakanda uniforms, they're you know the Black Panther from the Avengers movies. They kind of had the same atrocious. necklace. Atrocious. And it was so funny. the The stadium, the the jumbotron, played like the Avengers theme when TCU took the field for the for the first offensive drive. And I was like, how appropriate! They're wearing a Wakanda uniform, and that's playing. And it just, I don't know. It's like they tried something and didn't really think it all the way through it's just it's just kind of a weird look is it not yeah they're like uh they're like a better version of tech which is not a compliment i don't mean that to, to be a compliment yeah it's terrible tech's like got the, that weird under armor stripes going on tech is like it's like as almost as bad as a&m i mean the the te- the the texas like football like power ranking uniforms from schools from the state of texas I would put Baylor ahead of all those teams. Like, just yeah. don't don't be like, just so weird and outlandish. I, yeah, I don't, I don't I, know. I don't, yeah, it's it's just a confusing look. So that, I had that thought during the game. I thought OSU yeah. looked a lot better. That's a good one. Um, okay, speaking of uniforms, we're gonna hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and we'll come back and wrap this show up, Carson. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, one interesting thing. How are you ending it today? Yeah, you go first. Uh, I'm going Rondell. Rondell Walker commits to Oklahoma State. Uh, he got buried by the Thailand stuff and the TCU game. And everything going on uh, at the end of last week. But, uh, you know, the, the phrase that people have used is like first domino to fall in the, in the 2020 class for Boynton. I, I don't I, who knows? Like, I don't know how this is going to go. But 
they do have a replacement now um, in, in terms of, you know, losing Devontae Davis, replacing him with Rondell Walker. And now, you know, the, the, the door is open for some, for some big dogs to walk through and who knows, maybe it doesn't go that way, but uh, that was an exciting thing that got a little bit buried and I kind of wanted to revisit uh, so that we wouldn't not talk about it this week. I guess I had forgotten that Rondell was AAU teammates with Cade Cunningham. Yes. That my eyebrows raised when I was reminded of that. Yes. And I did like the things Rondell was saying that you're mentioning. He's going to be doing the full court press, uh, pun intended, on Cade Cunningham. And it certainly seems as if there's positive momentum there. I think the the outlier here is, is Bryce Thompson. Nobody seems to know what this kid's going to do. He's he's looking hard at OU. He named his final four. It's OU, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and North Carolina. The dream scenario for OSU and Mike Boynton is you land Rondell, you land Cade, and then you land Bryce Thompson. And if you do all that, and again, I understand it's a huge if, it might not happen. It probably won't. You probably won't get all three. But if you do, Kyle, I mean, you're what a top five Final Four contender. I mean, it, the, <laughs> there is there is no ceiling if you land those three because this is that that is a that is a Dukeish level recruiting class. That is a North Carolina level recruiting class. That is name any blue bud you want. That to me would be very intriguing if they were able to pull that off. And even if you don't get Bryce, if you just get Rondell and, and Cade, you're still going to be really, really good. So there seems what, to be a lot of positive momentum. What would you? What, what's it going to be like for you when when uh, Cade sets his? Because his his commitment will be televised in some form or fashion. Like, what's going to keep you from watching that? Anything? Hopefully, it's hopefully it's not on Instagram. That might keep me from watching it. Uh, that sounded really old of me. Snapchat. If it's on Snapchat, I'm I'm out. I I don't I I don't understand what's happening. Remember when OSU put something on Snapchat and you were trying to like figure it out? No, it was it was. Uh, yes, I do remember that. But it primarily it was the Ricky Fowler uh, spring break thing. Yeah, but I I think also. Oh, they put the um, when Dez and Whedon were yeah. in Stillwater to unveil the newish. Uniforms are wearing now. They were putting stuff up on Snapchat, and like Kyle Boone was having to help, and like I couldn't figure it out. You couldn't, like we were we like, were totally lost. Couldn't somebody just leak this to me instead, so that we could post it on a legitimate <laughs> website? Well, that was before my phone could even like screen record, because uh. now I would I would just record my phone and then pull up Snapchat. It'd be an easy fix. But yeah, we were we were who, lost who, souls there for a the, minute. Uh, who's the who's the commit that was OSU related that you remember watching and actually being like invested in what, like what the choice was. I mean, I'm talking about like the Laquan Treadwell type, like, you know, this has been going on for a while and there's a lot of rumors. I I think, I think Cade's probably going to be at the very top of that list for a lot of people, but who's the one that stands out to you? I think, and it wasn't like a big surprise. I don't remember his – like Gerald Green comes to mind because he was like one of the best players in the country. But he was, I think he was already committed to OSU when he really started to elevate from you know top 50, top 25 to, to the number one player in the country. Uh, LeBron Nash I think comes to mind. Yeah. Um, that was like one of their biggest gets in a, in a long time. Um, it was on like ESPN News or something. Yeah, that, that was televised. And he was before Marcus Smart, wasn't he? Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah, so that was like their first big recruiting get, I think, since that class with Gerald Green and all those guys. So that he put on the big foam pistol Pete had. Yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty great. So that's the one that that comes to mind for me. I think mine might be. Uh, actually, this is weird because he wasn't like a massive recruit, but Calvin Bundage. I just remember that being kind of like I, somebody. I don't know. Maybe it was on Periscope. I don't know what it was on, but I remember that one being like. Oh, this is this is cool. Oklahoma State's getting getting this kid. Like that's that's great. He's a star. And uh, but yeah, there, I, it's probably it happens more probably in basketball than anything else. Yeah, probably so. Uh, my one interesting thing. I'm sorry, I have to go back to Chuba. Sorry, not sorry. Actually, uh, again, I mentioned Mike Harris. Good follow on Twitter. He was a fellow Ocali alum. Uh, he had a great stat. He had a bunch of great stats on the Heisman and, and Chuba. But this, this one really stuck out to me. Dating to the origin of the Heisman, which is 1935, just four of the 39 running backs to have won a Heisman had more rushing yards than Chuba nine games into the season. That's the level of production we are seeing. It is historic. Only four running backs of the 39 had more yards to this point. And some mm. of those were back when the forward pass wasn't even an option. <laughs> so he's doing it in 2019 when everyone throws the ball all over the place. So I, I think... I think Kyle, if he keeps doing what he's doing, I think, I think he'll get he'll be get an invite to New York. Now, obviously, I don't I don't think he's going to win it just because the team aspect of it, but um, but he's been he's been unbelievable and really has has made this season really worth remembering for a long time. I uh, I totally agree. I just saw this and I want to leave you with this uh, as we end the pod. Eddie Radosevich, who I think Baker Mayfield dressed up for as Halloween. Did you see that? In his presser? Yeah, he, he dressed... Uh, he To me, he looked like Uncle Buck with uh, the mustache. And then a lot of people say he looked like an old detective. <laughs> but yeah, Eddie has... Eddie Eddie's rocked the mustache before, too. So he just tweeted this, and I'm going to leave you with this. He said... Wake me up. Uh, where is it? I lost it. I'm an old. Uh, wake me is up when, some, when somebody starts the Art Briles to Florida State chatter. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Oh, why we got to end on that note? Mm. Gross. You know, Kendall <laughs> Briles is the offensive coordinator there, so I don't think they want him sticking around. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's true. Okay. What about he- head Florida, Florida state head coach, Mike Gundy? What about that? Oh my gosh. Stop. Actually, I'm just kidding. yeah, let's, let's start that. Let's get that going. No, let's not. Let's, let's, um, let's do one off season without Gundy coaching rumors. Seriously. Uh, okay. Good stuff, Carson. Thanks again to mid first. Thanks to Chris's university spirit. Always appreciate them. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. We've had a, a lot of downloads this fall. Um, people listening up from last year, uh, which is always fun. And, uh, yeah, if you want to get further involved, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, Carson, but we're doing, so if we get to 700, uh, PFB plus subscribers by Tuesday, so November 5th, by the end of Tuesday, we're going to, uh, give away season basketball tickets, uh, for two to one of our subscribers. So people, uh, go sign up. You can use the code half off, uh, our yearly subscription and, uh, you're automatically entered to win season tickets for two. Uh, as a PFP Plus subscriber. So get involved that way. Thanks for listening. Uh, Comment, review, all the things. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. See you, Carson.